Hi, everybody. Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching. Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. I wanted to address how to systematically determine how you are leading your child and parenting them and assess where you're at in parenting and and how you can... um, change the way that you are, um, the way that you're shifting your perspective for, for your child and the way that you're shifting the, uh, the understanding of what leads to growth for your child. And so when we note that the, the importance here is, is to, to decrease the sense of complacency, to not get into the trap of feeling like you're, you're, you're just, um, going through the motions and trying, you know, little tips and and tweaks to address the fact that your child is having daily meltdowns or daily outbursts, or you feel like you're walking on eggshells. And so I wanted to talk about this today because I hear this a lot from parents. Um, you know, this is an everyday problem that, that is very intense and your body reacts to it in an intense way. And your child feels intense emotions on a daily basis. And some parents whom I speak with have been trying to address it with, um, inconsistent strategy and um, very small changes in their lives. And I wanted to help you see what actually works with changing and making the shift for highly sensitive kids, as well as helping you decrease the, the, um, the resentment that builds from making small shifts and looking for, looking for just some quick fix strategies. So I wanted to take a minute to, to just get into that with you and um, thoroughly address this in a, a more systematic way. And so what I see in, the, in terms of the parents that I speak with on the phone is this sense of feeling like you're, you're just trying everything um, and throwing thing, everything at the wall and seeing what sticks and then not really knowing how to get yourself out of that rut. So what brought me to think about this was actually a personal experience that I had uh, the other day um, in my life in my private practice. And um, I wanted to just kind of take a minute to share that and, and talk a little bit more about the, the impact that, that stress has on the body and the complacency can have on the body. So, and, and how this impacts you on a, on a daily basis, why it's important to address this. So, um, as many of you know, I'm a child 
therapist and I run a group practice, own a group practice in Maryland. And I work with highly sensitive children exclusively in that practice and teach other clinicians how to do the same thing. And, um, in my practice. And, and so I was, I was having a session with a group of children, highly sensitive kids. And I have my dog Porter, who's a animal assisted play therapist with me. And, um, I, I lead sessions outside cause we're blessed enough to have the, the, um, there's like a lot near our office. It's across the street. Um, and so anyways, uh, Porter has been joining our sessions. He's a, uh, our, my dog that's been coming to sessions with me for a couple of years now. And he's, he's very intelligent and, um, very responsive. And so I, um, noticed that he was getting a little bit too comfortable last two weeks ago in our last session. He was getting, trying to greet strangers outside of our general boundary. Some of the work we do, he's, um, off leash, but contained. And so he, um, and he's a port, part border collie. So he comes and stays near us getting to the point, I promise. Anyways. Um, so I had, I had had him on a long lead, which, you know, is 15 foot or 20 foot leash. And, um, I turned my head and, and set a command when he was laying down, turned my head. And all of a sudden I knew that he was heading towards the road. And, um, this is a very busy street and sometimes can take us a good five minutes to cross the road with, with the kids and <laughs> eight highly sensitive kids. And you have to cross the road. It feels like an eternity. And so uh, the, our, our dog, my, my dog was getting, um, was trotting towards the road. And so I'm calling him back and, and commanding him and chasing after him as well. And he's just, he was too hot. It was, um, and, and I guess my guess was he was going home, um, home to the office across the street. And so we were blessed with the fact that he didn't get hit by a car, but, um, it, it was, it was not a coincidence. I, I'm certain of that, but he, um, there was no cars coming this way. And so he crossed halfway through and, and it was enough room for the car coming this way to, um, to see him and stop. And, and thank goodness that driver was paying attention, cognizant. And I could just feel myself as I was chasing and calling him the intensity of my, in my body and the, um, the, the, you know, the thoughts running through my head of like, he's going to get hit by a car. I've got eight highly sensitive kids. My intern is with me co-leading the session. She's making sure they all stay in one place and don't run with me. Um, thank goodness I had her too, uh, helping me with the, with the children. And then also, um, you know, the fact of, of the dog and the fact that this is my family dog and, and I have a three year nearly three year old at home and how devastating it would be to have a, a hurt or, or, or dead dog to, you know, and all this stuff running through me, adrenaline. And, and so thankfully, you know, he crossed the road safely, perfectly fine. Didn't even bolt across the road. Literally was like trotting, like it's nothing like he owned the place. And my heart was in my throat for a good solid hour and a half after that, um, processing this intense emotion of, holy shit, uh, I could have lost my dog, you know, how blessed I was, you know, this mix of gratitude and, and uh, fear and, and problem solving that comes along with it and how we've, you know, we've already uh, tweaked the training. And of course, he's going to be attached to my hip for quite some time when we go back outside, but 
the the understanding that that level of stress was pumping through my body and that I was able to be calm, collected, not yell at him when I got to him, uh, but also respond in a way that wasn't reinforcing his behavior is it drew a parallel to me in terms of how parents can respond over time to their highly sensitive child's meltdowns because I see this all the time. And so you're, the, the challenge that you have at this point is that when your child is melting down, that adrenaline stops being um, so intense for you. And the threshold of what you tolerate in your home, and I'm not saying like, you know, I will not tolerate meltdown behavior. That It's not that word. What I mean by tolerate, I mean how much discomfort you tolerate for yourself in your household and how much uh, of a challenge your high intense emotional stress is something that you allow yourself to experience on a daily basis because your child is struggling and you haven't found what works yet it weighs on you. Like I said, even just experiencing that level of stress where a loved one, even my pet, was in danger was something that rode in my body for quite some time. And I had to, you know, find a way to shake it out. And so when we think about this and and the parents that I work with who deal with this on a day-to-day basis, there comes a point where they start to wake up. I'm done being complacent. And so here I am to help you see that there's a way out of that and and a way to to decrease that complacency and to identify that, you know, reading certain stories to your kiddo before bed might help them calm down for a week or that, um, you know, trying essential oils or or helping them, all those things are band-aids, all those things, you know, in terms of the coping skills, the strategies, and if you watch my masterclass, you know what I'm talking about. Um, All of those things that are your efforts to solve the problem are really just part of the puzzle. And what happens when you chase those skills and those strategies is that you get trapped in the sense of looking for a magic fix of looking for a quick fix, a a short solution to a problem, your child melting down on a regular basis, having outbursts on a regular basis, uh, shutting down on a regular basis daily every other day, multiple times a week, is a problem. This is not a regular, typical part of any child's normal development. Um, The problem with letting that problem continue is that you're breeding that sense of uh, lack of safety in yourself and, of course, in your child, too. Because when that adrenaline and that emotion is pumping through, you feel it in your body. And when that happens, you retrain your brain to become numb to that experience. And so your child is starting to become numb to that experience of that intense emotion. And so they stop seeing how they rise up. They stop noticing the cause or the the triggers for that intensity and they go from zero to 60 and so or zero to 100 and so you also lose your sight of those tick 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 marks to get up that roller coaster of emotion because you're not seeing that you're rising because you are also numb and so I'm here 
to help you see what it takes and how to move away from that pattern. And so the first thing that you need to do is to reset your expectations to that high level that you had when you decided to have kids. And what I mean by that is a lot of the time when parents have gotten to the point where their child's experiencing daily meltdowns, uh, they've, they've gotten to the point where they've readjusted their expectations, but not in a way that we want that to continue. So in an effort to not get disappointed frequently, to not lose your shit on your kid frequently, you change what is um, possible for your child. And, and the way you get there is by changing what you expect for your child on a daily basis. Now, when you change what you expect for your child on a daily basis, you eventually start to develop a perception of what's possible for your child long term. And when that happens, your child learns that they are not capable of meeting the high expectations that you had for them before they started having meltdowns or before you had kids in terms of the dreams that you have for your kid. And when that happens, complacency again is, is settled and um, fear is settled and resentment starts to breed and, and despair and disappointment stays with you. And to snap yourself out of that, you have to readjust your expectations and you have to start to notice that you can still have high expectations for your child in terms of the way that they experience life, the way that they develop and grow. And when you hold that, you then need to decide to, to notice what it takes to get there. You have to observe what steps it takes to get from A to B, A to Z, for your highly sensitive child, especially if they're having uh, daily meltdowns or, or daily outbursts, it's, it's going to feel like A to Z. And so you might get stuck at C and then say, well, Z is never going to happen. So let me just start on focusing on, on getting my kid to L. Let's just get them to graduate is basically what I hear parents say when we work with highly sensitive teens whom they've gotten to this point of just Let's just get them to graduate. You know, they, they just get to this point of, of decreasing their expectations so much so that graduating high school is no longer a given or an expectation. It's just a hope that, you know, we're pulling for them. And so it, 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 it is disheartening to hear that. It's also um, really, really difficult to, to watch. And then also, um, really hard to live as a parent. And so when we break it down, you know, thinking about an eight year old, maybe that's not where you're at, you know, parenting an eight year old, it's not where your head's at right now, thinking about what things will look like for you in 10 years. But if you notice that you're saying, well, let's just get through the school year, or let's just get through these last couple of days, or let's just get through this sports season. And, and you know, maybe he'll actually keep playing um, till the end of the season. And then you're, you're getting stuck on your high expectations not being met, and then not knowing how to get your kid up there, not knowing you know, the gap, not knowing how to address that gap. And the, the way to do that is to systematically find a way to focus on what it takes to get there and then to focus on the wins, focus on what's working well and what you're, what you're already progressing on. Because again, we focus on or we identify what breeds complacency, what leads to resentment. It's constantly feeling focused on what's not working. 
And so that has to change. And then you move into how to shift those challenges because if you start to see the challenges from a new perspective, and it's what I help parents do a lot of the time in, in terms of the clients that I work with, it takes an outside view because it's really hard to see from inside the bottle. You know, you know that something's not working. You know that the way that you're parenting isn't um, getting you the results that you want. And you know that your child is struggling, but the supports you have in place or the strategies you've attempted have either fallen flat or just haven't helped you reach your expectation in a way that's sustainable because it's hard to keep going on that stair step to success if you feel like you take one step up and one step back. I mean, it's it's like you're on a, um, you know, a never-ending escalator, just constantly climbing stairs. And when that happens, it's hard to look at challenges with a sense of hope. So you have to shift that. You have to shift that perspective that um, that your challenges are not a sign for for growth and an opportunity. And then when you do that, you have to take more action. You have to actually make a significant change in how you're approaching the situation. So if you keep on going along the lines of, you know, well, if essential oils didn't work, maybe I need to get my kids silly putty, then you're, you're missing the mark. You're going through the same approach to the problem, which is picking out strategies rather than looking at how to solve the problem in a systematic way and make it trans make you know make your relationship and your child's ability to to manage emotions transform and so when you think about that and you think about people who have made cha- changes in their lives and and you know people who have overcome major challenges it's not because they found you know think about i mean even just uh, the random metaphor popping in my head like um you know, track stars, like it's not because they found the right cleats, <laughs> the right, you know, non chafing shorts. It's because they had a systematic way to incrementally increase their ability to run faster. And so if you don't have that support or that strategy and, and accountability, you know, they have coaches, and they have uh, practicing and they systematically change the way that they run and how their feet hit the ground and I'm not a runner, so I'm not going to keep going with that. But, um, it's not about the sneakers. It's, you know, it's not about the shorts. It's, it's about how you approach life and how you approach your child learning new skills. And so you have to continuously take action. And so, you know, I, I, I'm addressing this now with school ending or having just ended for a lot of you because it, it can feel like, phew, you know, we got old, we, we we survived, and if that's how you're living your life, then it's going to continue like that unless you take significant action and you make a major change. And so the the changes that you need to to take are to seriously reevaluate how you're systematically helping your child change the way they express their emotions, change the way that they experience the world change the way that they hear how they're being helped and change the way that they feel understood in you knowing how their emotions are expressed. And so if that's something that you need help with, then I encourage you to reach out 
and book a call with me because we'll be able to clearly identify where you're struggling and where you need more support and and what you're doing that's not getting you the results that you need and we'll be able to create a plan and decide that that's something that you can take action on uh, immediately and be able to do that in a way that helps you feel certain that your child can can live to their fullest of potential and that you don't have to settle for just getting by and you don't have to settle for the perception and the perspective that your child just has to get by in life because their emotions are too big and so if if that sounds like you and if you've gotten to the place where you're feeling like the way that you're helping your child is um, has created this sense of, of, of feeling like you're treading water or feeling like you're checked out or feeling like you're treating it like a hobby, then I would encourage you to reach out because there's a different way and it's important to, to change the perspective on, on what's possible for your kiddo and what you can expect and what's developmentally appropriate for your child, as well as how your child can live their, to their fullest potential. And highly sensitive kids have a huge amount of potential, a ton of strengths, and, and uh, it's, the meltdowns and outbursts are succumbing them to the point where uh, your child may feel incapable of meeting their own dreams. And uh, if that doesn't wake you up, then, uh, then, then we definitely need to talk. Okay. All right. Uh, have a good night and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of how to parent your highly sensitive child like a ninja. We release a brand new episode every week. So be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.